Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, should the NFL adopt a draft lottery system similar to what the NBA does? Well, we'll talk about that, plus news and notes and calls and texts, all coming up on Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, May 18th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it drops. And of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, many thanks to my man Ari. He does a great job each and every day making sure we're up on YouTube. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. You can check me out on Twitter as well at your boy Q254 if you want to chime in on the show. 707-654-4693. That's the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. Or you can hit me up on Twitter again at your boy Q254. Lots to get to on today's show. First of all, props to you Raider Nation. Got a lot of good feedback off the Mirren Fader interview that I had on Wednesday's show talking about Devontae Adams, the piece that she put in the ringer. I thought it was really good. I thought that interview was really good. So uh, that was welcomed with some real good positivity. So I thought that that was uh, good and glad to see that a lot of Raider Nation really appreciated that interview. But today's another day, so let's go ahead and jump into news and notes here in segment number one. Segment number two, we'll talk about the potential of an NFL draft lottery, similar to what we saw from the NBA, and then calls and texts will close out the show in segment number three. News and notes, we'll start off with the Raiders announcing four additions to the coaching staff for the team's 2023 mandatory minicamp and training camp as part of the NFL's Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching fellowship program so what's that you're asking well it's designed as a vocational tool to increase the number of full-time nfl minority coaches all 32 teams participate each year the program's objective is to use nfl clubs off-season workout programs and mini camps to give talented coaches opportunities to observe participate gain experience and ultimately gain a full-time nfl coaching position so it's just another effort from the nfl to try to put minority coaches in better positions to end up with full-time jobs so this one's called the bill walsh diversity coaching fellowship program the four coaches that are being added to the raiders coaching staff for the mini camp and training camp coach tory gill he's on the offensive side of things coach jamie sharper on the defensive side of things coach troy vincent jr also defensively and coach matt willis on the special special team side of things quick background on these guys and i'm checking out the email that the raiders sent out about it Gill is entering his second season as an offensive graduate assistant with Oregon State after previously coaching two seasons at New Mexico State. Sharper finished his first season special teams coordinator, linebackers coach for the XFL DC Defenders in 2022. Before that, he was a linebackers and defensive line coach for Division I Georgetown for 2018-2022. And of course, he was a member of the Super Bowl champion Ravens in 2000, led the NFL in total tackles in 2003, native of Richmond, Virginia, played collegiately at the University of Richmond, and left as the program's all-time leading tackle. Troy Vincent Jr. I know you know that name, right? Son of NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Troy Vincent, but he enters his first season as Director of Recruiting Scouting Analyst at Central Carrollton High School in Georgia in 2023. Previously served as Defensive Pass Game Coordinator at uh, Paul Dean County, Georgia High School from 2021 to 2022. And then Willis played wide receiver for seven years in the NFL for the Ravens, Broncos, Lions. Also played two seasons at UCLA after originally competing on the track and field team. Took part in the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship Program in 2017 and 2018 
with the Chicago Bears. So those are the four coaches right there that will be part of the Raiders coaching staff for the minicamp and training camp. Torrey Gill, Jamie Sharper, Troy Vincent Jr., Matt Willis. Now, it's funny, that was announced the same day that the NFL announced the coaching accelerator participants. And this is just another program that is for minorities. They're actually going to be doing this coach accelerator program May 21st and 23rd at the Spring League meetings in Minneapolis. 40 coaches on this list. Nobody was representing the Raiders. And basically what it is, the 40 participants this year are attending based on their high potential to be considered for a head coach position in the future. 16 of the participants will be returning from the May 2022 Accelerator uh, program. Well, that makes all the sense in the world why there's no Raiders participants because a guy in Patrick Graham, who's the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, who is a guy that I've talked about even when he got hired by uh, Coach McDaniels, I said, hey, this is a guy that has been on the short list of, of head coaching positions. He probably will be a head coach sooner rather than later. And then, well, he didn't do very well as a defensive coordinator his first year with the Silver and Black, and he got no interest in this hiring season as far as people interviewing him to be a potential head coach. Now, he did get that opportunity at the Senior Bowl, but Patrick Graham has got to work his way up to show that he can be a defensive coordinator in this league for the long term. Like, he's got to do a lot of work with this Raiders defense just to show he can be that guy, let alone a head coach. So it makes a lot of sense why he's not there, but Terrell Austin is there representing the Steelers, Chris Beatty from the Chargers, Marcus Brady from the Eagles, Callie Brownson from the Browns, Mike Caldwell from the Jaguars, Demarcus Covington from the Patriots, Ronald Curry, know you're familiar with him, with the Saints, Matt Daniels with the Vikings, Sean Desai with the Eagles, Tony Dews with the Titans, Aiden Durdu with the Cowboys, John Embry with the Dolphins, Leslie Frazier, he's been a longtime coach in the league, Jerry Gray with the Falcons, Pep Hamilton, longtime coach. Uh, Richard Hightower with the Bears, Frisman Jackson with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I actually knew Frisman Jackson when he was, was a coach on the on the Baylor staff. Brian Johnson with the Eagles, Gerard Johnson with the Texans, Randy Jordan, you're very familiar with him, with the Commanders, Kerry Joseph with the Seahawks, Cato June with the Colts, Thaddeus Lewis with the Buccaneers, Charles London with the Titans, Anthony Lynn was once the Chargers head coach with the Vikings, uh, Keenan McCardell with the Vikings, uh, Thomas McGahee with the Giants, David, Dave Moret with the Chiefs, Scotty Montgomery with the Lions, Jeff Nixon, he was also on that Baylor staff with Matt Rule with the Giants, Tony Oden with the Jets, Christian Parker with the Broncos, Aubrey Pleasant with the Rams, Chris Richard doesn't even have a team right now, but he's a guy that's been considered multiple times and has taken multiple visits and uh, interviewed multiple times for a head coaching position. Kelly Skipper with the Bills, Willie Taggart, remember Willie Taggart with the Baltimore Ravens, Drew Terrell with the Arizona Cardinals, Troy Walters with the Bengals, Joe Witt Jr. with the Cowboys, and Greg Williams with the Green Bay Packers. So those are the 40 names right there. Again, no Raiders representation, but again, because they're looking at guys that should be considered or could be potentially considered for head coaches across the league, it makes sense why there's nobody representing the silver and black. Finally, here in segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. I know a lot of people probably won't even want me talking about this, but uh, former Raider Damon Arnett, was indicted. He was uh, indicted for assault with a deadly weapon and firearm-related charges. Of course, he was a first-round pick in 2020. Uh, he's been released from the team for a long time because he was on the internet acting a fool. Uh, since he's been released from the Raiders, he was part of the Dolphins practice squad. He signed a future contract with the Chiefs, and the Chiefs cut him a week after signing him after he had that crazy event in Las Vegas where uh, basically he couldn't find his valet ticket parking at a hotel, and the staff asked him for another uh, form of proof that he owned the car, and he responded by producing a gun and taking away the keys and he just doesn't make a whole lot of sense with what Damon Arnett does and the only reason I'm bringing this up is not because he's a former Raider this that and the other and you know I just want to bring up some news that's negative and has the Raiders name involved in it no I just hope that Damon Arnett finds a way to get his stuff together 
right? I mean, he's one of these guys that doesn't matter uh, that he's not in the league right now. It just matters that he gets his life together. He, he is one of those dudes that I could see waking up one morning and reading something bad about just because he seems like a, a knucklehead that just can't get out of his own way. And so anyone who's listened to this show for a long time, I know some people will tell me stick to sports, stick to the Raiders or current Raiders. I don't care. He's not a Raider no more. I get that. But I also care about people's lives. And so if that's not for you, that's okay. I respect that. You can fast forward this part. But I just look, look, I, I want to look out and hope somebody's looking out for Damon Arnett because, man, that dude is a menace to his own self. And I'm hoping that somebody is in his corner and says, hey, dude, you need to, you need to calm it on down just so you have a better life. Not worried about football. I'm just worried about him off the field as just a bad dude that, well, gets into trouble. And hopefully someone, like I said, pulls him to the side, calms him down, and gets him, you know, fixated back on life and get doing the right thing, and hopefully that's what happens. But that was the latest on Damon Arnett indicted for assault with a deadly weapon and firearm-related charges. It's funny that that event, actually, the prosecutors had dropped the charges at one point without any kind of explanation, and then the grand jury decided to charge Arnett again. So it uh, just doesn't seem like things are going too good for that dude, but it's all self-inflicted. And like I said, the only thing I can do is hope that he finds the help that he needs to stay out of trouble. But that's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, should the NFL have a draft lottery similar to the NBA? This is an idea that I saw floated out there by my guy Justin Mello from the Draft Network. Read his article, had him on my radio show on, on Wednesday, and really didn't deep dive into it like I wanted to on the radio show, so I want to deep dive into it, and we'll do that next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast after I tell you about Built Bar. And I check out the website, built.com, all the time, and there is something for everyone. You can get the Built Bar Puff Cookie Dough Chunk or Built Bar Puff Birthday Cake. How about Built Bar Coconut, Coconut Brownie Strip? There's something for anyone. I told you before, I'm a big-time peanut butter guy, so there's all kinds of different options when it comes to peanut butter, but they have other limited-time flavors. Red Velvet Puff. They have the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. They have the Chocolate Coconut, Coconut Granola Brownie Batter Puff Bite. I mean, there's... So many different flavors, so many different options. You can get marshmallows, you can get granola, you can just get straight up chocolate bar, whatever the case may be, whatever fits your narrative, they got it for you. Very low in calories, very low in sugar, high in protein, and high in taste. So check it out today, Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. You'll save 15% off your order when you go to check out. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to jump into a, an idea and a concept that I saw, and I've seen multiple people and multiple radio hosts kind of talk about this on, uh, on Wednesday following the NBA's draft, but should the NFL think about doing a draft lottery? Right. I mean, the NBA did that on uh, on what Tuesday night and San Antonio Spurs. They won the right to get the number one overall pick. And so they have an opportunity to go get a generational talent uh, in, in, uh, in Victor Wembanyama, And that dude could be the next greatest thing. He's supposed to be the next greatest thing since LeBron James. Maybe he lives up to that hype. Maybe he doesn't. But with all the hype, all the excitement, I saw different fan bases gathering at bars and having big old watch parties. And, you know, when the Spurs found out they got the number one overall pick, it just place erupted and cra- people went crazy. The fan base was super pumped up. It made a lot of people think, should the NFL do that? Should the NFL adopt that same concept so when they come up with the draft order, it's not just based off of wins and losses and, oh, okay, well, the Texans lost so many games or the Bears lost so many games, they're going to automatically get the number one overall pick. 
But should they do a percentage? Should they do similar to what what the Houston Rockets, the San Antonio Spurs, and I believe the Detroit Pistons all had a 14% chance? Again, the number one overall pick, and again, San Antonio ends up coming away with that. Should they do it like that? So if you look at what the Raiders uh, had this year, what they had the number seven overall pick, so maybe they have a, I don't know what the percentage would be. I'm just throwing something out there. Maybe a 4% chance of getting that number one spot. But it gives you a chance. Would that make things a little bit more exciting? Would the NFL want to do something like that? Would it prevent teams from, I don't want to say tanking, because I don't believe that teams, like the players on the field, I don't believe that they tank. I don't believe that they try not to win. But I do believe that franchises and front offices might not give them every tool that they need to win. You know what I mean? So would that slow that down? Would that slow that down from uh, teams being okay with not doing so well in a regular season? Or would they find another way to kind of finagle it and put themselves in better position to go like we heard? Suck for luck. Tank for Tua, right? I don't know what the saying is this year for Caleb Williams or Drake May, but there's always some, you know, some catchy phrase. And my guy Justin Mello from the Draft Network, he actually had an article that he put out on the draftnetwork.com. He was, did a really good job with it, and I had him on my radio show to talk about it. And he was very fired up and passionate about the, the, the NFL doing it. And he said, it's too late for the NFL to do it for 2024. But could you imagine that the way that the NFL sets up a, what, a three-hour show to just for the schedule release and how they're able to create enough revenue and, 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 and make that something that NFL fans get super pumped up about? I mean, hell, once the schedule release dropped, how many days did we talk about the schedule here on the show? Right, we talked about it multiple days leading up to the schedule release, talked about it multiple days after the schedule release. So his point was, if they could turn the schedule release, when you already know what teams that the, the, your team is going to be playing, you just don't know what the order is going to be. If they could turn that into a big monster event, couldn't they turn the, the draft lottery into a monster event? And so it made sense to me. I just wonder if fans in the NFL would be as excited as fans in the NBA. Because obviously, in the NBA, you can get a general, a generational talent like a LeBron James or a Victor Wimbanyana, and you can feel like, okay, the, the team is now going to be immediately turned around. This team is going to have an opportunity to win. You saw what LeBron did in Cleveland when he went there as an 18-year-old, right? He immediately turned that, the fortunes of that, that place around. So Victor Wimbanyana is going to be expected to do the same thing now with the San Antonio Spurs. And by the way, the Spurs have won the lottery multiple times. Uh, don't forget about Tim Duncan, <laughs> right? And look, I'm one of those guys. I'll be the first to tell you. I believe that the NBA has a little bit of funny business when they when it comes to that, that draft lottery. And so one of my questions I had asked Justin was, well, how does the how would the NFL kind of police it so fans and others wouldn't accuse him of kind of doing some home cooking like they do in the NBA? And one thing he said was, well, Q, they're always going to be someone that's going to believe there's some kind of home cooking going on. There's some kind of conspiracy theory going on. But this last year, the NBA had a bunch of, uh, you know, reporters that are beat writers like, like a Vinny Bonsignor for, or a Vic Tafer or, or a Tashawn Reed didn't have their phones or anything, but they had them in the back and they saw the whole process so they could report on it later. Like, Hey, uh, everything went down smoothly or Hey, there was a little something fishy going on. So he said that that's how he thinks that the NFL could police it. But, I have plenty of questions, but I do wonder if that would make it more interesting. So maybe four or five teams had similar records, you know, or even like the top 10. I mean, you saw how the, the difference were between, you know, the number one overall team, which was the Chicago Bears until they traded with the Carolina Panthers, to, you know, the number 10 team, uh, which was, again, the Carolina Panthers. You know, there, there wasn't a whole big difference, right? And then it would stop, I know this, it would stop fans from getting mad when, you know, a team wins a game at the end of the season. Oh, you should have lost that game because now you're going to lose ground in the draft. And I'm always for winning, 
right? I'm always for, hey, win as many games as you can because, well, the fan base deserves to see you win as many games. But, you know, you can go back with the Raiders in particular a few years ago when they won that game, what, in Denver? And they lost a little bit of ground as far as the, the, draft, uh, the draft order went, and they didn't get the chance to go and draft Nick Bosa. And many people said that that was a bad decision by the Raiders to win that game because they would have been in position. They ultimately didn't. The 49ers end up with Nick Bosa, and, well, we all know the rest is history. So, you know, it kind of gives – it would give incentive, I think, for these teams to keep trying to, trying to win because they still feel like they have an opportunity. Or would they just, you know, kind of, well, we're going to lose anyway to give ourselves more of an opportunity, right? So, I mean, there's, there's both sides of the argument I could definitely understand. But I did see, you know, with that party, going back to San Antonio just on Tuesday night, with that party that they had and the way that their fan base was so fired up, I'm just trying to think, like, you know, could there be a sports bar that I'm sitting in and here in Las Vegas and broadcasting, doing a show live from, and all right, here comes the lottery balls. Who's going to get it? And would that add a little bit more intrigue? And if it did, which I believe it would, I mean, look, think about the NFL and what they're doing with streaming. Right. I mean, they got a, a Black Friday game. They got a Thursday game on Amazon. They got a, a, a wild card game now on Peacock. Everything they're doing for money. I'm sure they could find a way to make that an exciting event and make a whole lot of money off of it, which, of course, is what all the NFL cares about. And I, I think it might be fun for the fan base to do. I just don't know if one player can change the fortunes of a team as quickly as a player can in the NBA. So I don't know if that would be as excited each and every year. Like would everyone have been excited this year for the right to get the number one overall pick and go get Bryce Young, right? Or next year when it's Caleb Williams and Drake May, it feels like it's a little bit more exciting. Or when there was like Andrew Luck or Trevor Lawrence, like I can see those particular years being super exciting. You know, would a defensive player uh, make, make that much more sense? Like when the Browns drafted Miles Garrett number one overall and they got the number one pick and they said there's no doubt they're going to go draft Miles Garrett because he's that guy. Would that get a fan base as excited as, you know, winning the draft lottery like that. So those are some questions that I have, but I just thought it was a good conversation. I thought it was a really good piece. I do encourage you to go read it. It's on the Draft Network. Again, my guy Justin Mello does a fantastic job there on the Draft Network, is the one who wrote the article. So check it out. Give me your thoughts, 707-654-4693. Speaking of your thoughts, your calls and texts are coming up next in segment number three as we close out the show today here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation, segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts, you have that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a call from Raider Mike in San Jose. He's calling to talk about Marcus Peters and what vibe he gets when he thinks of the Raiders signing him. Here he is, Raider Mike in the 408. Hey, what's up, Q? This is Mike calling from San Jose. And I just wanted to chime in a little bit on, um, we were talking about Marcus Peters and how he could potentially become a Raider and how we need that difference maker in the secondary, someone who could, who has the ball skills and who, who can make plays, um, try and get some turnovers. And it's reminding me a lot, like almost uncanny of when we went out and got Sean Smith and how he was supposed to be that, that ball hawk and, you know, he was supposed to be that shutdown corner, and look what he turned out to be. This guy was getting burned play after play after play, and that's that's a little bit what I think Marcus Marcus Peters he's going to turn out to be. So uh, let me let me hear your thoughts on that one. All right, Mike out. Raider Mike, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And it's so funny you bring up Sean Smith. I remember that. Like it was yesterday. I remember sitting there. I was in Texas still. I was sitting there refreshing 
Twitter, refreshing Twitter, refreshing Twitter, like every few seconds waiting to see the news if the Raiders were landing Sean Smith. And I forget who the free agent cornerback that was also uh, out there available at that time. And I remember whoever it was, I think was better than Sean Smith, but he went to another team for more money. And it was like, all right, well, the next best option is Sean Smith. And the Raiders turned their attention to Sean Smith and eventually landed him. And you're right. Sean Smith wasn't worth assault. Right, he was getting burned a lot. The only difference I would say between Sean Smith and Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters has a longer history of being being successful and getting ball production. Right, I mean he's done it his whole career. He's got his hands on the ball. He's frustrating. He's going to get burned at times, but he's going to make plays at times. You know, I had one suggestion on my radio show on Wednesday about how about you put Marcus Peters into the you know the the Rod Woodson, the Charles Woodson type role and make him a safety where he always has his eyes in the backfield. That's what he wants to do anyway. So take him off the corner put him in the safety spot, and just try to tell him to go make plays. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be the most short tackler, but if you're just asking a guy to go make some plays on the ball, that might be a a role that he embraces at 30 years old and kind of preserves his career a little bit because, again, he is frustrating as a corner. He's going to get burned, but he's going to make some plays as well. But Raider Mike, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you, and thanks for the blast in the past when it comes to Sean Smith. Up next, got a text from Raider Nick in the 808 Q. What it do? It's Raider Nick's tech, Raider Nick texting out the 808. And man, that was a really great interview with Miriam Fader and clearing up some of the misconceptions of her incredible piece on Devontae Adams. But at the end of the day, no one, and I repeat, no one is going to drop the narrative that he is unhappy with the coaches of front office. And that's an unfortunate consequence of us wanting athletes to be truthful and themselves. Once he doesn't have a good game or shows any sort of frustration, just like last season, we're going to hear that he misses Rodgers or he misses Carr, BS, and have Jets, Saints, and Packers writers and the national media saying he wants out. Just going to be an unnecessary storyline for the rest of the years and the season. Much love, Q. That's Raider Nick in the 808. And, yeah, I, I believe that that is going to be a narrative that you're going to hear quite a bit. And uh, as I mentioned, man, on, on Tuesday I saw so many different outlets talking about, well, uh, you know, he, he, he wants out. He hasn't demanded a trade yet, but he wants out. And, see, that's why he went and put a picture up of him and Dave Ziegler to, to quiet down the noise. I know for a fact – I know from a fact that he is happy with Dave Ziegler. He's good with Josh McDaniels. Does he want other things? Sure. Would he have liked Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. Right? I mean, would he have liked the Raiders to go and maybe get one of those top quarterbacks that that they were all looking at? Sure. Which they attempted to do, right? They tried to get to the number one spot. It just didn't work out. So I'm sure that there's things that he would prefer, but he's not... He's not unhappy like that, but you're right, Raider Nick. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a narrative all the time. And and the reason I say I know for a fact that he's he's good and he's not upset, his agent, his agent sent a text message to Vinny Bonsignor and said straight up, like, he's good. <laughs> he he's good. And and the reason he put out that that uh that picture of him and Dave Ziegler was just because so many people were blowing him up asking if he was upset and if he wanted out of out of uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders and so he was like man let me just go ahead and nip it in the butt and that's what he did and so there's that but anyway that's just a little bit of a background but I did think that that uh that piece that Mirren wrote and the interview that she did on my radio show was fantastic so I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well up next, got a call from Proto in seven seven eight. He's calling to talk about fourth round pick Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue and shares his thoughts on him. Here he is, Proto in the seven seven eight. Hey yo, Q, it's your boy Proto from the seven seven eight. So, been doing some reading and some watching of Aiden O'Connell. Now, before I start saying what I'm about to say, here's a caveat: I'm not saying he's going to be a great quarterback. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's the second coming of Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I'm not saying that. However, I am saying if you watch his tapes, 
the mascot accuracy. That's one. Secondly, I know you're going to say he's not fast because mobile quarterbacks is what is what everybody wants in the NFL. But if you actually check his 40 time, he's faster than Patrick, uh, he's faster than Mahomes. Mahomes went a 4.840. He runs a 4.740. Even Jalen Hurt is fast, but Jalen Hurt ran a 4.5 something, right? So we're not talking about like. Lamar Jackson or Anthony Richardson kind of fast. Most NFL quarterbacks that are really good aren't actually that fast. Like, okay, I get it. Lamar Jackson is fast, but Lamar Jackson hasn't honestly done a ton of winning outside of his first year. Plus, he's kind of always injured. That's kind of the other drawback of uh, fast quarterbacks. They do tend to get injured more than uh, regular pocket, pocket passing quarterbacks. But if you look at Hidden O'Connor in the pocket, I actually compare him more to like Peyton Manning. Again, I'm not saying he's the next Peyton Manning. I'm not saying that. But he does play quarterback like a mouse. And what I mean by that is if you watch guys like Peyton Manning, they're not very mobile, but they're constantly moving in the pocket. They never stay still. They always look like people who are running away from a cat, just constantly scrambling around. And when they start to take off, they do. But the other big thing is when it's time to release the ball, they have a really quick release, which Hidden O'Connor does. Not only a quick release, but a really quick release that's pretty accurate. So we're talking about a quarterback that's very accurate, that's actually good in the pocket, and that's a really quick release, and he played on a really bad team. Again, I'm not saying crown him the next big Manning, but I am saying it's got some major upside, so you might want to take a look at it. That's what I got for you, Q. As always, Proto, thanks for the call, my man. And my thing with O'Connell, it's not about being fast at all. Like, you're right. Quarterbacks don't have to be fast. Mahomes isn't the fastest dude. There's a lot of quarterbacks that aren't the fastest dudes. My thing is he's got to be able to move the pocket. He's got to be able to keep a play alive, scramble just a little bit, not a whole lot. But if there's, you know, green grass there, you got to go pick that up. Right. He's not going to do that. Now, he's you know, he can move just a little bit. But again, that's not what he wants to do. And, you know, that was one of the storylines that we talked about with Derek Carr. Like it was frustrating because he wouldn't run. He wouldn't go pick up those yards and he was athletic enough to do it. So I just think that at some point the Raiders need to have a guy that can do that and move the pocket and all that. It's not really about speed. Mahomes ain't the fastest dude, but. When push comes to shove, what's Mahomes doing? He's running around. He's moving the pocket. He's picking up big yards when necessary. And in the Super Bowl, some of the biggest plays were him running. Not him throwing, but him running. And so I just think that that's what you need to have. But to your credit, he's very accurate. I know for a fact he's sharp upstairs. Like, I've, I've done my homework on him. It's not like I'm just looking at him like, oh, he can't play. I've done my homework. I know he's accurate. I know he's smart. He's overcome adversity. He's a guy that fits a mold that Josh McDaniels would like to to try to you know try to mold him as a quarterback. I'm okay with that. That's fine. I just think personally he's going to be a backup. But if he turns into something else, even better. Then obviously the Raiders knew what they were doing, and then when they went and got him in the fourth round, it wasn't a reach. It was ended up the franchise quarterback for for a long time for the Raiders. If that ends up happening, then it'll be a great story. But right now, it's just an opportunity for a young man in camp, and, and, and he'll make the best of it. But, you know, I do know with his accuracy and his, his brains, again, having it upstairs, being able to figure things out and, and overcome the adversity he's overcame, oh, I, I know that he's a guy that, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels would like to have an opportunity to coach up. I mean, this dude was a walk-on at Purdue. They put him at tight end at one point. He was so far down on the depth chart, like ninth. So, I mean, he's, he's overcome a lot. He was a starter, and then the starting job was taken away, and then he earned it back. I mean, there's, 
<laughs> I can go on and on about Aiden O'Connell. I've done my homework, brother. So <laughs> definitely appreciate the call. Uh, up next, got a text from Brent from Boston. He said, hey, Q, it's Brent from Boston checking in. I got a question for you as the dust settles on this offseason. What does a statistically successful season look like for our top draft picks? I'm thinking that Wilson needs to get at least seven sacks. Mayor needs to get 60-plus receptions and five touchdowns. Solid run defense and three sacks for Young would be acceptable. Assuming Bennett gets on the field, I can see him getting a couple picks. Appreciate your thoughts and keep up the good work. Just win, baby. That's Brent from Boston. And, woo, that's a lot of production, <laughs> right? And that's the thing. I think those guys are capable of those kind of numbers. I just don't know if they're capable of those kind of numbers right away, right? I mean, like Tyree Wilson, think about Khalil Mack. As good as he was, he had four sacks his rookie year, right? I don't expect... Uh, Tyree Wilson to go in there and have seven plus sacks. Now I know Max Crosby had 10 sacks his rookie year, so it's not like it's impossible, but it's just tough. It's difficult. So I'm looking at, you know, four or five sacks for Tyree Wilson, but you can see that he can play and it's not too big for him and he could play in multiple positions. I think that's really good for Tyree Wilson. Mayor, I don't really know what the numbers look like. I think he's going to be a big addition in the red zone. So maybe four or five touchdowns does make sense. Uh, he's going to be a really good blocker. Uh, I think you'll be able to tell how good Mayer is based off what the run game looks like as well because he's going to be in there blocking. I mean, that's one of his really big deals that he can do. 60-plus receptions, I don't know. That's a lot of receptions, right? Especially when you have Devontae Adams, you have Jacoby Myers, you have Hunter Renfro. You have, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a lot of catches, 60-plus catches, and you have all those other guys as well. You, you have to assume that Devontae Adams, if healthy, is going to be right around 100. So that'd be, what, 160 between those two? You have to assume, and I know it's a lot of assumption, but if Hunter Renfro's healthy, assume that he's going to get 60-plus, right? Jacoby Myers, I'm assuming, if he's healthy, again, 50, 60-plus. I mean, that's, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot. So I don't, I don't really know the number of, of catches, but four or five touchdowns may, may be, you know, right for Mayer because, again, I think he's going to help out a lot in the red zone. Young, I think stopping the run is going to be key for him. And I'd look at, you know, two or three sacks, right? At least, at least a lot of pressures. May not complete the sack every time, but get some pressures, right? And then if you see guys like Chandler Jones and Max Crosby eating a little bit more, you look to see if Byron Young is on the field. If he is, I think that that's also a good sign. As far as just like straight numbers, it's hard to do that. Ja'Korian Bennett, I think he's going to be good at one time, at some time, but I don't know when he's going to get on the field, as you mentioned. Uh, Chris Smith, same thing. I think he's going to be good. Just don't know when he's going to get on the field. So thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. I got time for just a couple more. Quick call from Jordan in Oregon. He's calling to talk about the Devontae Adams piece in the ringer and shares his thoughts on it. Here he is, Jordan in Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q? Jordan in Oregon. Hey, I appreciate you. Uh chiming in and throwing uh, kind of your two cents in on the Devontae Adams <clears throat> ringer piece, which I know you're getting blown up right now about all this. And so, you know, if this message just hits your ears, that is definitely cool with me, man. Um, and if it hits the pod, that's fine too. But, bro, I just wanted to call and say thanks for the way that you broke it down on your radio show and your podcast and just being, like, real about it all. And, I mean, honestly, the reason I really want to call in is uh, just listening to your show. A friend of mine and I yesterday working together is like the the best way to put it for me and sum it up as easy as I can is Devontae Adams is in a in the same battle all of us are in. It's a race against uh, time and just trying to maximize your full potential. And it just got us thinking for a second. It's like, isn't that literally what we're all in? in this world is, is trying to maximize your full potential and really in, in considering in father time, the race with time, man. And 
um, you know, mid thirties myself and not closer to 40 than 30. And so it's like, I'm kind of in that spot too in my career where I feel like I'm at my prime and I want to maximize my full potential and, and be as successful as I can during the years that I know I can push it. And, um, being a contractor and in this industry of, of what I'm in, um, it's a race against time, man, trying to build it up and make it work. And so I just want to throw my, and Q, you as well, man. Like, I know, I know where you're at. And it's like, you're in that same, you know, trying to maximize your full potential and, uh, and, and, and with keeping father time and the race with time in, in mind. So peace out, bro. Jordan, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate you. And yeah, you hit it on the head, man. I mean, we're all racing against time. Right. And that's why I take so much pride in my shows. Well, regardless if it's a radio podcast, if I'm doing an interview, whatever the case may be, like, I don't ever want to be the guy. And it's one of my biggest fears in life. And it probably shouldn't be, but it is. But it's one of those things where I don't ever want someone to look back and be like, man, he wasted that opportunity. Right. Like I talked about Damon Arnett in, in segment number one. Like I look at him and say, man, what a wasted opportunity he had. He was a number one overall or not, number uh, first round draft pick. Shouldn't have been a first round draft pick. And he didn't take advantage of it, right? And we can do that all the time. We can go back and look at so many guys that, you know, have wasted opportunities. I look at people that I've worked with in the past and thought, man, they've had such opportunities and they just let it go. I don't ever want to be that guy. So you're right. You know, it's, it's a race against time. Do as much as you can while you still can, while they still want you to, right? Like people say, why do you do so many radio shows? Because they still want me to talk. There's going to be a time where they're going to be like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Q was cool, but he ain't that cool, right? There'll be somebody some years down the line, They'll be doing this show and everybody's like, man, remember that last guy? He stunk. He was bad. This dude's awesome, right? I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. That's how it is. So right now I got to take advantage and do what I do until, you know, until I'm told otherwise or, you know, circumstances change. But yeah, I mean, everyone has a, a limited window, man. That window, you know, it's not, it's, it's not getting bigger. You know, like uh, Rachel Barbo, uh, I don't know if I put the interview on the, on the podcast, but uh, I talked to her, and she's like a motivational speaker. I talked to her at the Super Bowl this past year, and she said something that really, I, I've, I'll never forget it. She said, Q, we're, we're all walking each other home. Like, every day we wake up, we're walking each other home. Like, we're not getting any younger. We're not, you know, we're not gaining time. You know, we're, we're uh, you know, every day that we're alive and, and, and doing anything we're doing, we're literally walking each other home. So that's just one of those things. So Devontae Adams saying that he wants to do more and more and more, and it's a race against time with what he's doing on the football field. That should go for everybody in the league. It doesn't. A lot of people just think that they'll be there forever, and then all of a sudden they wake up and they realize they can't do it anymore, and they wonder what the hell happened. At least he's understanding what's going on and realizes that he has less time than you know he had five years ago, right? I mean, he, he, he was, he's not a rookie anymore. He's been in the league a long time. You know, the window's closing as opposed to, the window getting bigger. But thank you so much. I think you hit it right on the head. Great call, great breakdown. Uh, we'll close things out with a text from Drunk DMN Raider. So I'm thinking Drunk Demon Raider, maybe? maybe? He says, I get people are concerned about Jimmy G's health, as am I, but people really need to look at the fact that 49ers have a history the last decade of not keeping their quarterbacks and running backs healthy. I mean, they practically lose a running back to injury almost every game for how many years now? They lost every quarterback last year, and the only reason Jimmy has been the starter is because they couldn't keep the plan starter healthy. Jimmy G is definitely part of the issue, but the 49ers system hasn't helped him out either as far as health goes. That's Drunken Demon Raider. And yeah, thank you for that text. I appreciate you. And I've said that a few times on the show. I had a really good conversation with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Uh, we had it at the stadium one time at Allegiant Stadium. We had it on the radio show f multiple times that Kyle Shanahan's quarterbacks always get injured. And I do believe that that's part of the, you know, part of the element of the pr problem that's been Jimmy G and his injury health. But 
remember, he got injured back in New England as well when he uh, got an opportunity with the Patriots. So, unfortunately for him, he does get injured, but you're spot on when it comes to 49er quarterbacks all getting injured. They lost every single one of them last year. Like, hell, if I had suited up for the 49ers, I would have got injured. And I wouldn't even been on the field. But somehow, just putting on the uniform, I probably would have got injured as well. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Thanks so much for everyone in the calls, the feedback, Twitter, whatever the case may be, at your boy Q254. If you're hitting up Ari, at Ari Produces on Twitter, we definitely appreciate that. And of course, you can always call and chime in at 707-654-4693. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have more calls and texts. We'll close things out strong. We'll have news and notes. And of course, we'll have strong conversation as we do. Again, closing out the week really strong, heading into the weekend. So until then, Rare Nation, uh, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.